Everyone, welcome to another episode of the Fitness Pro Mentor Podcast. We're having a little camera issue there, but we want to welcome you to Talking to Humans. I am stoked for this episode, Brandon. I think talking to humans is something that a lot of people, myself included, have struggled with in the past. I know personally, I was super fearful of talking to pretty much, oh, there we go, talking to pretty much anyone growing up. I mean, geez, I remember being in university and just trying to force myself to talk to a, uh, a pretty girl next to me that I want to get to know better was a challenge, let alone go and talk to people about potentially working with you and taking them through a sales process. Yeah, and you know, this is funny because of the five pillars of personal training, one of them is communication. We've talked about communication ad nauseum, but one thing that we did today, Glenn and I both came up with a list of things around talking to humans that we thought were important, as well as we asked our current Fitness Pro mentors, mentorship students, what they struggle with, and we're gonna to touch on some of these things as well. Some of these things you've heard before, and some of them you may have not. But at the end of the day, you know, communication is pretty complicated. Yeah, I don't think it's as easy as uh, we at least think it to be. And I think anybody who's thought about communication at all and given some time to think about how do we communicate realizes it's, it's this kind of finicky thing. I mean, think about who you've got in front of you. You've got a person in front of you and you're trying to communicate an idea or a thought to them. So you're thinking, okay, on a subconscious level, who is this person? What kind of language can I use to communicate to them? And then you choose your words carefully. Then you say it to them. And then as the words come out of your mouth, they're hearing the words. And now they're trying to make sense of them. And hopefully you said things to them in such a way that they understand what you're trying to say. And they get an idea of that. Then they try to start making their own thoughts about, oh, how am I going to respond to this? How are they going to interpret what I'm saying? And then they come up with what they want to say. And it's this back and forth. And it's no surprise that a lot of things are lost in translation, as the old saying goes. I mean, if you think about the anatomy of it, it's insane. Like what you were just saying, I was literally thinking that exact same thing, but like you have an image in your head. Mm -hmm. That image creates all these little synapses in your brain. Yes. Then that synapses goes down to your nervous system to make this percussive clapping thing, make right. some sounds, and hopefully you hear those sounds. And not only do you have to interpret my words to hopefully you understand how I'm seeing things in my head, but when you hear particular words, there's certain interpretations that you have around those words because of what you've learned. If I say the word rejection, that means something to somebody else different than others yeah. outside of the actual visuals in the head. And then that person has to interpret it and bounce it back. It's just, it's insane. It is insane if we think about it. Well, I mean, think about even just using the word strong, right? Strong is something that every exercise professional uses. Client comes to you and says, okay, hey, I want to work with you. And you're like, great, let's sit down and start this meeting. You sit down and the first thing you say is, hey, what are your goals? And they say, I want to get stronger. You have an idea of what stronger is. They have an idea of what stronger is. Stronger to you could mean, okay, lifting heavy weights. So maybe doing five rep max or something like that or heavy leg presses. We're going to get them strong so they can lift more weight. That prospect might be thinking, Stronger means bigger muscles. I want bigger muscles because I want to be more attractive and I want to have more confidence so I can meet more women or meet more men or meet somebody to have a romantic relationship with. And even in those first couple sentences, you're already on two divergent paths. Or they just want to feel good in their body and pick things up. Or they want to be able to move things around the house and they don't feel strong. I just had a client, a family member that I'm seeing as a client, and he can't swing his golf club without feeling something in his body. And so he said he wants to feel stronger. It's such a tough thing because each word has a weight to it that someone else has their own interpretation of what that means. And they're hoping that when they say that word, you understand the same thing. 
Uh, a great book that's actually, I'll be honest, it's my pick of the week. I'm going to say it now because it's relevant to this. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell's Talking to Strangers. Mm. And it's a really interesting book because that entire book is about different interactions between two people. And in some cases, in a lot of cases, where the conversation doesn't go so well. And there's a particular character, I believe her name is Sandra or Sandy, and she gets pulled over by a police officer. And they have an interaction and she's a very normal, non-threatening person. But somehow the conversation goes so far south that she gets shot by the police officer. And now this is a totally extreme example, but this is the thing is that communication is such a powerful thing and making sure that we are talking and being clear with our words and being open and listening and actually go in the right direction is critical. And we're entering into a professional relationship. It's even more powerful because now this is about time, money, and someone's feelings. We have to respect that. And I know we're going to talk about a whole bunch of different topics and ideas today. We're going to field a bunch of questions from our students and whatnot. And the first thing I'm going to say off the bat, I think one of the most powerful, impactful things that you can do when you're thinking about talking to humans and communicating with anybody is speak in the simplest terms possible. Avoid using jargon from the industry. Avoid all that kind of stuff. Or if you're going to use jargon, at least agree on the terms, but really the whole adage of keep it simple, stupid, right? Maybe outdated with the stupid, but keep it simple, silly, if you want to be correct here. The whole idea is like communicate in a way that's very simple for people to understand. And quite frankly, an analogy I use very often, or metaphor rather, is if you can't explain it and a 12-year-old's not going to get it, or your 65-year-old grandparents aren't going to get it, you probably need to rethink the way you're communicating to people because there's a good chance that if you assume that the person across from you knows exactly what you do, you're going to miss the mark, not even just in business uh, and, and prospecting and marketing and on the gym floor with people, but just with people that are important to you in your life. I would say that this is one of the keys from our late mentor and friend Peter. And I was just telling to Chris that works at Strata about this, is that he was able to communicate at like that really high level. When he'd go to Oklahoma, he could talk to all the other RTS biomechanics instructors and talk about at the top, top level. But it wasn't just that he could talk simply. He could talk at any level, which I think is really powerful being able to take. Tell you what, we've talked about storytelling so many different times. I think you should be able to tell the story to every level of person. So if you're speaking to any of our guests who are superstar knowledgeable, or you're talking to Glenn and I, or you're talking to a child or your grandparent, you should be able to take that same concept. Let's pick resistance profiles and resistance curves, right? That idea can be made as complex as possible or as simple as possible, depending on whom you're speaking with. The idea that there is a change in how something feels based off of torque and a few other variables, you could explain that to a young person and they may not be able to tell you what a resistance profile is pervadum, but they should get the idea that there are changes in how things feel as things move. Same with your grandparents who are not engineers. But if you're gonna to talk to someone at a higher level, might want to be able to say different things as well. So I think it's really cool, like when we're talking about practicing within limitation, you want to be able to speak simply, but I would encourage you to think of all the different levels. Be able to speak white belt to black belt. Ooh. And then that way, you know what I mean? Ooh, I like that. So that way as you're going through it, if you have a client, perfect example is the client that I just spoke to. He's a family member, he's retired. He's an engineer, very high level mechanical engineer. Lots of knowledge around a lot of the terms that we're talking about. So I was able to speak at a brown belt rather than the client I'm gonna see after who does not have the same level, and she's an English teacher, very intelligent, but I can't speak to her at the same mechanical level. And this is interesting, because I think when we're talking to humans, it's tough 
because I think this is a great talking point is how do you know what level someone is at and how to speak to them? Because you don't want to talk over them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. And I think this is where one of the best techniques that there are when you're just sitting down talking to anybody comes into play, which is asking lots of questions. I think by asking questions and hearing somebody else talk and seeing how they use certain words or how they articulate um, what they want to say to you is going to tell you a lot about where that person is. So you get to hear what jargon they want to use and what they're using. And then based on what they're saying, you can kind of meet them at their level. So I know for me, I'm always, at least when I'm doing my, my first meetings with people or I'm meeting someone for the first time, I'm always asking a lot of questions up front to get an idea of who they are, to understand where they're coming from, and to get an idea of what level of that belt communication I'm going to be at with them. Yeah, I think that's a really important thing is ask and ask and ask lots of questions because you can figure out very quickly where someone is at. And I think it's interesting because when you're talking about that same thing, there are a lot of folks that I've met mm -hmm. who will insinuate for their own IR challenges that they know more about the subject than they do. Mm. And that's okay. I mean, fitness, there's a lot of colloquialisms around functional training, core training, uh, rotator cuff exercises, right? These are all very common sound bitey things. And for whatever reason, some people will come in, I shouldn't say for whatever reason, for their own confidence and their own mindset, they'll come in and go, oh, I know all about this, I know all about this. And so you can do one of two things, and I've seen people go both ways. I think you can try to ask more questions to understand the depth of the knowledge around that thing, because in most cases, someone has just heard a sound bite. Mm. They've interpreted that sound bite, and it only goes so far. And by asking the right questions, you can figure out, okay, so they know the top four rotator cuff exercises from men's health and fitness. That's fine. I'm going to take it just a little bit further and share more information with them. Or you could obliterate them. <laughs> and I would encourage you not to do that because I know a lot of people, in fact, this family member who came in and he goes, I know you're not a fan of stretching. And in the past, it would be very, very easy to go down the rabbit hole of stretching is terrible, da, 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 and like really tear it apart, so to speak. And I don't do that anymore by any means. It's more about educating the consumer, educating the prospect as much as you can to give them the info so they can make their own decisions. But that idea that we've talked about in the mentorship so many times of reputation by education, mm -hmm. right? Can you educate people so much that it's not so much about making them belittle them, but share so much info they can make their own interpretation? Yeah, people really don't like it when you rain on their parade, right? And their parade, in this case, being the information they hold to be true or what they believe they know. And Brandon said something interesting a second ago, I'm going to double back to it in case you're unfamiliar with the term, is Brandon said if they have an IR issue. Now, IR is something from transactional analysis. IR stands for identity and role. And it's this uh, concept or this theory that you have an identity, which is your core values, your core beliefs, all the stuff that makes you up, your mannerisms. is you in your purest form, so to speak. And your roles are all the different hats you wear in a different day. So for example, you know, when I wake up in the morning, when I take care of my dog and I walk her, my role is like the master and my dog is not my, my servant or whatever, but like I'm the, I'm the alpha male, I'm the pack leader. And then when I done taking care of the dog, I might go do some marketing and then I'm in my role as a marketer. And then I step into my role as a, uh, as a husband when I wake up and I greet my wife in the morning. So we have all these different roles in our day and how we feel in each one of our roles is very important because it's going to reflect in our confidence and the way we communicate with people. And this is huge, right? If I'm having a great day 
and I feel like I'm a 10 out of 10 and I'm unstoppable. And I feel very, very confident in my role as a marketer. And when I talk to people and I do consultations and then when I work with people technically, I'm to produce some amazing results. I'm gonna speak very, very clearly, very articulate, be very, very confident. There's a good chance that the actions I take are gonna yield some fruitful results. However, some people, they don't feel great. Maybe you're new to the industry. Maybe you had a poor experience this morning or you woke up on the wrong side of the bed. You're just not feeling like at a 10 out of 10. You're feeling like you're a five out of 10. And then you go into the gym and maybe you had a poor session with a client. So not only are you feeling kind of poor when you wake up just in your own self, your identity, who you are naturally, but also you didn't have a great session with a client. Maybe they picked up a little bit of an injury and now you don't feel great about how you're performing your personal role as a personal trainer. Where is all this coming in? Like, what does all this mean? At the end of the day, we want to find ways to make sure that we are feeling really, really great about ourselves and separating how we are doing in our roles as personal trainers from meaning anything about our identity. Can I tell you something? It's perfectly okay to not have a great session with a client because they're always going to be like that or some of them are going to be like that, especially if you're newer to the field. And you can't know everything and predict everything, and sometimes you're going to make mistakes. But that doesn't mean that you're a bad person. It doesn't mean that you can't perform well in other areas of your life. It just means that you made a mistake and there's an opportunity to learn from it. Now, Brent, I want to say some more stuff about IR when it comes to other people you're dealing with, but I also don't want to uh, stranglehold this conversation. Anything you want to add in there in terms of like personal IR stuff? I think you should keep going. You're crushing it right Okay, now. cool. The other thing I want to bring out there is you know, we're always thinking about what's going on for us, our own identity, our own role, our own problems, our own concerns. You know, personal story right now, woke up uh, a few days ago, sometime last week, our floor in our basement starting to get warped, drywall's wet, had someone come in, could be five to $10,000 to repair the leak in our house that's somewhere we don't even know, we have to dig up our exterior. I was extremely concerned and worried about, you know, how am I gonna pay for all this? Am I gonna have to dip in some of my, my emergency savings? Am I going to be able to take care of all the other stuff I'm supposed to do this week because now I've got to bring attention to taking care of my house? I was in this place where I was getting concerned and worried. My identity and how I felt, I went from a 10 maybe down to a 6 or a 5. I did some of the stuff that I know for myself works will help me feel a little bit better and I was able to make myself feel a little bit more confident. Here's the important thing I want to bring out here is I was able to separate how I was feeling in um, that personal situation at home with how I delivered my sessions to my clients. My clients would have never known that I was going through a very stressful week. They would have no idea because I can compartmentalize what was going on there in my life with how I need to perform in this role. Now here's the flip side that I want to put out there is whoever's in front of you that day, whether it's someone that you're doing a consultation with, someone you're interacting with online, somebody that you're working on one-on-one -on -one in person, you have no idea how that person's gonna be feeling that day. They might not even have the emotional capacity or the awareness to help manage their own feelings and their own emotions. And every time you're gonna to talk to somebody when it comes to marketing or it comes to sales or it comes to working with somebody, you always have to be cognizant of, I don't know how this person's feeling right now. And if you're doing things to either maybe potentially show by a little bit, make yourself feel good, do things to help boost your own confidence, you might be doing it at their detriment. 
We already talked about it before. Nobody likes to have rain on their parade. Nobody else wants to feel stupid. If you're over-educating somebody at a level that they can understand, or you're sitting with someone inside of a consultation, they're telling you things about what they're doing, you're like, no, 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 that's wrong. You shouldn't be doing that at all. You're going to make them not feel very good. Do you think that person's going to want to work with you? Not at all. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's a very powerful thing. And Mario Mavridi's episode that we just did, Glenn and I were just talking about it. He talks a lot about confidence in that episode. And I think it's, and I love Mario. I think it's easier said than done just to say you need to be, you need to be more confident. But at the end of the day, we have to figure out these pillars of things that limit our communication and limit our role from succeeding, which comes back to the CEO avatar we talk about here in the mentorship is that if you know where you want to be and whom you want to speak with, can you reverse engineer what you need to to get to the point that you can talk to that person? Because for me, a perfect example that I think is a really relatable one is that as we start building up our rates and we start targeting higher end demographic of clients, you might work with someone who's the CEO of a company. In fact, for me, I work with multiple CEOs of companies. And so when I want to work with those people, I have to learn about the characteristics of those people and what their days are like. So when I'm speaking to them, I actually know how to speak to them and make sure that my messaging and what I'm trying to get across gets to them efficiently, timely, but respects them, their time and their knowledge. Because these CEO people are totally different beasts, so to speak. I don't mean they're anomalies of people, but they have no time. They're short. They have problems and what they do because of their job allows for it because they've got a hundred people below them, thousands, is that if they've got a problem, they delegate it to get it solved. You're one of those people to help delegate it and get it solved. So how can you be academic to make sure they have high rapport value and they view, they view you, you have the role on so you can actually communicate with them, your pipes are leaking, you gotta make sure that you have the right role hat on because they don't care about your emotions when they're there to have their problem solved. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. And the great thing about understanding yourself and where you're at uh, emotionally and building up your confidence is that once it's there, honestly, it sticks around longer. And this is one of the reasons why I love when my clients see slow changes when we're working together. Because if changes are happening slowly, honestly, in my opinion, it means they're gonna stick around longer. They're gonna see these adaptations, they're gonna stick around. A lot of times, how many times do people go get massaged? and then they feel great the day afterwards, but then 48 hours later, they're sore, they're tired, they feel icky again. That quick change, just as quickly as it came, it left. And so for you, building these skills of a more resilient um, emotional quotient, right, EQ, being able to square out your identity and feel really good, and also build your technical skill set, build your confidence, build your creativity, build out all the different other pillars of personal training will have you be more confident. And there is something to say, and because I, I think this comes down to a lot of the questions that our, uh, our students have asked us is, well, how do I start building more of this confidence? You know, where, where do I get this confidence from? Because we've had multiple people mention to both of us, I think the problem, well, you just seem like you're so confident with this stuff. Well, yeah, it's because Brent and I both have been exposed, ex sorry, exposed to a sales process and refining it, you know, week over week, month over month for years. It's just it's, like working out. That's it. It's just like working out, right? Forgetting about what we're talking about with humans, communication, sales, marketing. If you were on the gym floor, and someone said, Glenn, I don't feel very confident when I'm doing this particular movement. It doesn't hurt at all, but I just don't feel good about it. It doesn't feel smooth. It doesn't feel confident. That's fine. What do you tell most people to do? 
We're going to take it slow. We're going to practice it. We're going to go over it time over time, and we're going to figure out the best way to go through this so we can get to the ultimate goal of X, Y, and Z. So if you have this fear, well, a few of our students said they were anxious, they get weirded about talking about money, which is a very valid thing to talk to someone about. Mm -hmm. What do you do? You have to do the sets and the reps to talk to people about money. And so what kind of things pop up? If you're having a conversation, I want you to, here's a perfect practical example. You want to talk to someone about money. I want you to write down you. What are your fears about talking about money? How do you feel? What goes wrong on your end? Name everything you can think of. Write out the most verbal vomit list of everything that goes wrong that you're fearful of and you don't like about talking about money. Write down all of it. Next, on the client side, I want you to write down everything you possibly can of the things that pop up when you talk about money to a client. I can't afford you. How many times should I see you? Whatever rejections you might get from them. From there, just like you would with a workout, you can't squat because your knee does X, Y, and Z in the bottom position. You're going to figure out that knee joint. If you've got that list, we can reverse engineer and we can go, okay, client says, I can't afford you. How are you going to talk to them about someone saying they can't afford you? Someone says, gosh, you're expensive. What kind of things do you say? You have to practice the communication sets and reps around this thing. Now, what if a CEO says you're too expensive versus someone who makes $30,000 a year and they say you're expensive and they're different academic levels? How do you talk to these different people? It's very important. You've got to at least go through the business sets and reps, the communication sets and reps so you can get to the ultimate outcome. You know, it's interesting because another one of our students said, well, fear of possible rejection. And, you know, it's very, very similar. I, so I, you know, openly, and I, I tell everyone this, I see a, a psychotherapist who is a medical doctor, um, used to be the head of Toronto General uh, ER in Toronto, which is probably the busiest uh, ER room in all of Canada. And he left doing that because he wasn't very fulfilled. And now he helps entrepreneurs like me uh, with their mindset, helping them coach them through difficult stuff. Um, and it's, it's been really, really helpful. And one of the things that I was struggling with was the fear of rejection as well. I don't like being rejected. I have an avoidance to being rejected, which means it gets in my way of talking to people. It gets in my way of talking uh, about money. It gets in my way of doing a lot of things. And we did this really great exercise. And if you ever have a fear of rejection, which I know a lot of people do, this exercise could be very, very helpful, very similar to what Brandon was suggesting, but kind of different. Understand that when people reject you or say no to you, they're not saying no to you. They're not saying no to your identity and you as a human being. They're 99.9% .9 of the time saying no to something completely different. They could be saying no and rejecting you because they don't have the money. They could be saying no and rejecting you because they legitimately can't see uh, time to do this right now. They could be saying no and rejecting you because their own internal fears, their own identity and role is so wrapped up in their pain and discomfort that they actually don't want to take action even though they say they do. There could be tens, twenties, thirties, hundreds of different reasons why people might say no to you but I'll tell you what, 99 out of 100 of those reasons has nothing to do with you and your identity. It has something to do with them and what's going on in their world. Rejection is not rejection of you as a human being. It really doesn't mean anything about that. And I can't say that enough times. It's rejection of something else. And so if you do have a fear of rejection, I highly recommend that you take a pen and paper, like Brandon said, and write out reasons why somebody might reject me. And then see what comes up. 
And what you realize over time is that if they reject you because of money, that's not a you thing, that's a them thing. If they reject you um, because they don't think it's going to be a good fit, that's not a you, that's a good fit for your role and what you do for them. That's all it ever is. I think this is a great segue into talking, and this is a point that Glenn brought up, so I don't want to steal it, but talking to people in person mm. versus to talking to people online. Because, I mean, we've talked about the Albert Morabian communication wheel a few times, and because of this fear of rejection, people will have a tendency to type and text message communication a heck of a lot more to get past the fear of rejection because it's so much less damaging if someone says no through text message, you can avoid it, you can not respond, you don't have to worry about it nearly as much. While if you talk to someone in person, it is much harder to look someone in the eyes and actually have them say no to you. No, I don't wanna work with you. No, you're too expensive. No, I don't like it. And we take it pretty sad and pretty personally. So therefore, we text and we write. And I know a number of people who said, I don't, phone call people because I don't like talking on the phone. I don't like doing sales in person because it seems easier to just send a price point out talking about sales and say, here, here's how much it is through email. And if they like it, great. That makes it easy. They come and you do your work or they don't. But that's not going to be the most effective way to hit home and make a huge change. No, it's not. And I mean, at the end of the day, communication, a huge pillar of that is connection. Yes. When you're connecting to these people and they really feel like you understand their problem and you can show them how you can help solve their problem, that's what, and that's all sales really is. It's like, hey, here's how I can help you solve your problem now that I understand it really, really well. Here is what it's going to cost you objectively up front. Here's the timeline that I think I'm working with. Here are some of the caveats. I think I can really, really help you though. What would you like to do next? And if you've done a great job communicating with people, talking to these people, building up the value, really understanding what's going on for them, being able to relate to them in a, in a personal way that has you understand, like, I really get where you're coming from. And what I'm going to do here isn't unlike anything else you've ever done. Uh, I'm not going to say it's in the bag because nothing's ever in the bag, but it's far more in the bag, relatively speaking, than just sending somebody your price points. Because, And we've, we spoke about this ad libitum, so I won't go into it. If you just send someone your price points, congratulations, you're a commodity. Congratulations, but that's not going to help you. And I don't mean to sound rough, uh, and I get that's how it came off, but the hard truth is you don't want to be a commodity. You want to be this high-value product, and I'll tell you what, your CEO avatar, if you're in tune with it and you ask what that $500 an hour earning version of you is doing, that person's picking up the phone and having an honest-to-God conversation with these people, and they're not worried about being rejected, and that's okay because it doesn't mean anything about them. Listen, we are 26 minutes in, and I'm going to throw out this very simple thing that you should do if you have a hard time talking to humans. Go talk to humans. Get them. Honestly, at this point in the game, if you're nervous about talking to people, you have to get out there and go practice talking. As simple as talking to the cashier the next time you're at Walmart and it asking them how their day's going. Practice talking to people. And that's a real art that has completely disappeared over the last several years. I mean, several people in Europe, you go to Scotland, Ireland, England, would literally go to the pub and go to coffee and tea shops just to talk to people. And we don't do that anymore. We sit at home and we're absorbed in our phone. We talk to our family members and that's pretty much it, just the bare bones stuff. And we text message people and the art of communication is completely gone. In most cases, most people can't support a conversation with another person for more than 15 or 20 minutes because they haven't practiced talking about anything interesting. 
You want to do a couple things? One, go out and talk to people. Two, study some current world events just so you have conversations that you can talk to people about that are common grounds that's not specific to your jargon and just specifically your hobbies. But more importantly, number three, ask questions to learn about people. Why are you here? Be genuinely interested because the more you can learn about why someone is in an environment, why they're doing what they're doing, how it's going to change them in the fitness setting at least, but around hobbies, anything else, the more you can learn about someone, the more you can learn about someone. And from there, if it's a sales opportunity, you don't have to worry about talking about money because ultimately you can build the entire value around supporting what they want. You're afraid of getting rejected. That's okay. If you talk to these people and find out what they really want, you can figure out if what you have is even what they're looking for. In most cases, sales interactions, in my experience, go south when there's expectations between the two people are not lining up. Mm. If both of you think you're going the same direction together, I have... I mean, honestly, I, I of all the sales interactions I've had within one-on-one -on -one personal training, I haven't had someone quote unquote reject me in a, a year and a half, I don't think. And it's only because for people that I work with now, I don't take on too many clients. They have pretty clear expectations of my price point and what I do and how we're going to get there. Therefore, all these people, it's really simple. I ask a bunch of questions and through the process, I can say, hey, listen. If this seems expensive, if you're unhappy with how this is going, you can leave at any time. And the reason why I say that is because even if we're going the right direction, I want to make sure they feel safe to leave so it doesn't have to be awkward. And then second, I'm not worried about being rejected, but I want to make sure that if there's any awkward tension and they're thinking about leaving, that they know it's there. So that way we can get past this as fast as possible. Anyway, kind of a bit of a tangent there. Go talk to people, lots of people, different ages, different education levels. Go talk to them and find out what makes them tick. And we can talk about all this IR stuff that we've talked about in previous. You got to go talk to people. You got to talk to people. Are you talking to people right now? Go talk to people. I would say there's uh, a way to build up to this because I think for a lot of people that hear, go talk to people and your instinct might go in your own identity might go, I don't want to talk to people. I don't like this. And then the cycle starts again. Go talk to people with the express intention of just talking to people. Don't even try to sell them anything. Don't bring it up. Don't even think about it. Just go talk to some people. And then once you're comfortable out there talking to some people, week number two, talk to some people. And if it comes up, talk a little bit about what it is you do. That's cool. Week three, you're talking to people. You've been getting used to talking about what it is you do a little bit. If it feels like it's going that direction, you can offer them if they want to connect a little bit more and talk about maybe you helping them in some way, shape, or form. This doesn't have to be a from a zero to 100 process. Cause I can tell you for most people, that's not how this is going to go down. I remember when I increased my rates here, it was my first rate increase in years. And I initially was going to go from one price point and I was going to add about $50 to it, which is not a small jump. And I was feeling really nervous and antsy about just doing that, even though through conversations with uh, Brandon and also through, um, you know, that doctor I was telling you about, I'd created the, the value in what it is that I do that I am worth that much money. However, I just didn't feel too comfortable doing that right away. I wasn't at a place where I'm like, I feel comfortable charging, you know, $140 or $150 an hour. So what did I do instead? I agreed upon with my psychotherapist and said, listen, this is about where I'd be comfortable going to. He's like, great, we're going to start right there. Next time you have that conversation, you're in a sales meeting with someone, that's what you tell them. 
and you just let it linger in the air. Don't try to fill the, uh, the gaps. Uh, don't try to fill the space. Just see how they respond. And literally the first person I told, hey, listen, this is how much it costs. This is what it is for my assessment. Usually I'm about $115 an hour, 60 for half. And I, was, I just was quiet and I looked at them. They're like, okay, that's about what I expect. And I was like, okay, I guess that's just it. And off that one conversation, I've never looked back. Never again have I had a hard time telling people this is what I'm worth. It only took that one time. And I'll tell you something. When you go talk to people, the first time you talk to somebody in public and it doesn't feel weird to go haywire, you feel pretty good. And it's encouraging you to do it again. And then eventually to the place where you talk to somebody, they're interested in what you do and you set up a sales, uh, like a sales triage call, just a chat with them over the phone. If it goes anywhere or not, doesn't matter at this point because you start to build up the confidence and the skill set to do this now and talk to humans. And I'll tell you, if you can feel comfortable talking to humans in person, online's a heck of a lot easier. Honestly, I, Glenn, I think this is like, I think this is a pretty well-rounded conversation around yeah. talking to people. How do you feel about it? I feel pretty awesome about it. I'm really happy we did this one today. This is probably one of our, we, episodes keep getting better and better, but this is definitely one of the best ones in my opinion, I think. Listen, there's a lot of gems in this episode, so please go back and listen through it because I think that if we take some time, you take some time to think about what it is that's stopping you from talking to certain people. If you're one of these people and you can resonate with this, make a list. Start small and build up from there. Find the common ground of where you feel comfortable. Don't make that huge $50 jump, but just start trying to talk to some people. Start somewhere and you'll find it's not so scary. It'll take one person that's like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then you can move on from there to the next step. I think it's really cool. Yeah, and I'll say one more thing if that's okay. I don't know if this came up explicitly or not, but um, when in doubt, honesty is the best policy. And I can't tell you how many times students in this program have asked me questions like, Glenn, I'm having this tough, uh, tough, tough time with this client. I've got this issue right now. What do I do? Honesty is the best policy. You have a conversation with them and say, hey, so-and-so, there's something I want to talk to you about. It's making me a little bit nervous to talk about. I don't know how to approach the conversation. Do you mind working with me on talking about this? And most every time the client's going to say yes. And then you just have that conversation. Listen, the past couple times, uh, you've canceled your appointments inside 24 hours. And I'm concerned that we're not going to be able to meet the plan and get to your objectives the way that we want to. You know, what can we do together right now to make sure that we're not canceling inside 24 hours and that everyone can win? Do you have any ideas? How do you feel about that? Honest conversation, very open, very simple. You can apply that literally to anything. And the great thing about honesty is that when you're open and honest with someone, all that mental, emotional clutter in your brain, it just kind of disappears, right? It would almost be like me having a chair and a table in front of Brandon, and if there's something there between us that's unspoken, some sort of weird emotional interaction, because we had a student say, hey, what about weird interactions? If you're trying to work with somebody and all this like weird stuff that's unspoken in front of you, it's like training somebody or talking to somebody with a bunch of stuff in front of you. You gotta clear that junk out if you wanna have a really strong professional relationship or really strong relationship with anybody in your life. So clearing the air, being open and honest and having those conversations, being a little bit of vulnerable is always gonna help you. And I do say when you're either doing sales meetings or consultations with people, when you're meeting people out in public, 
Honesty is always the best policy. If people are pressing you for a price point and they really won't let that go, then just be honest with them. You just tell them, like, listen, uh, I'm an inexpensive, I'm not an inexpensive personal trainer. I do really great work with people. These are my rates. I mean, what do you think about that? And if some people are hung up on that, they're not going to work with you. So what? On to the next one. That's okay. You're not for them. It's all right. But honesty, best policy. So I, I'll be honest, I already threw my pick of the week out there and I want to just reinforce it that as far as what I want you to check out, this is a book by Malcolm Gladwell called Talking to Strangers. And it's a really fantastic book and it's a lot about where conversation goes the wrong direction. But it's, he does a fantastic job of breaking down what goes wrong in the conversation to figure out how you can move forward and actually learn from those poor interactions. So I really would recommend in the vein of this, check out that book. It, it, Malcolm Gladwell has incredible delivery and really, really good at breaking things down, how people interpret information and has his, his interpretation so you can learn from it. So Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, Talking to Strangers. Honestly, I got the audio book because his voice is super soothing and relaxing. I've listened to it twice really recommend it the audiobook is actually super cool because they actually also put other clips in there as well it's not just like him reading from his book there's actual also like audio clips mm -hmm. in there of different interactions it's actually a fascinating interactive experience uh, very similar to brandon my pick of the week is actually another book that helped me tremendously i've probably read it three or four times and that's dale carnegie's uh, how to win friends and influence people now the name is outdated because when you hear the word influence these days what do we often think about persuasion, mental manipulation, all that kind of stuff. But when you actually read the book, it's all about how to genuinely and authentically interact and communicate with people. And just like how we've said communication has to be very simple, easy to understand, speak to people at their level, this book puts the psychology of communication very, very simply so you understand how to actually navigate conversations with people. It's got a whole bunch of great tips in there, techniques and ideas about how to approach anybody in conversation. And the crazy thing about it is this is still like an international bestseller. It's in hundreds of different languages at this, at this point. I'm not kidding. Dale, Dale Carnegie wrote this book something like 1920s, maybe 30s. It's nearly 100 years old, if not that already. It stood the test of time. I actually find it as a sidebar kind of fascinating because they speak about um, they use current examples for their time. So let's talk about Abraham Lincoln and famous Broadway stars in vaudeville, which was extremely popular in the 20s. There are updated versions that you can listen to right now, but I really do strongly recommend that you dive into that local history of the time. Pick up the book. It's a very simple, easy read. It's very short. There's something like nine or 13 different tips, but I can't recommend it enough. Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's all killer, no filler. And if you know Brandon and I, we love that kind of content. I can say the same thing about the Malcolm Gladwell book, Talking to Strangers. I can say the same thing about Jim Edwards' Copywriting Secrets. And I can now say that about How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie. It's a must read for anybody that wants to improve communication and improve their business. Everyone, thank you so much for checking out this Minds on Muscle show episode of the Fitness Pro Mentors podcast. If you like this and you enjoyed it, please give us a five-star rating, share this episode. And if you're in the Fitness Pro Mentors group, please invite other personal trainers in here because honestly, we want to help people. And hey, if there's a particular conversation topic that you want Glenn and I to talk about a little bit more and share some perspective on, please comment below at any time when you're listening to this in the Fitness Pro Mentors group or email us. We'd love to talk to you. Yeah, and listen, I I don't want to, I don't want we never want to push people to do anything. We want you to do it because you love it and because you find value out of it. Brandon, week after week, it's juggernauts, juggernauts of the industry, people that are making millions and millions of dollars a year on our group to interview them. And 
all we want in return, if it's okay with you and you, you like what you're saying, just invite a couple of your friends, tag them in stuff that, that you've been finding interesting, shoot them over, uh, you know, our podcast link. We just want to help more people and we need you to help be our voice. If you find that what you're seeing here is helpful. So please, if you don't mind helping us championing us a little bit, it would go a long way. We'd really appreciate it. This Friday, we got Tom Purvis coming up live. So you listen to us, it'll be our second time with Tom doing the Exercise Titan series. And then Glenn wants to interview me next Tuesday. So uh, we'll be talking about that a little bit. But everyone, uh, thank you so much. It was great talking to you. And we'll see you all next week. I really like doing this, Brandon, every week. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Have a great one.